You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. never had marital relations with her again. Nevertheless, the principle stands. There is often barrenness in the life and ministry of the overcritical. Some people who are overcritical of others and others worship sometimes find themselves in barrenness. You gotta be careful of a critical heart. You gotta be extremely careful of a critical heart. You always have to take it back to the Lord. Always have to take it back to the Lord. It's so easy to be critical of everyone around you. Pastor Dave encourages us today to constantly be evaluating our own hearts, constantly take things to the Lord in prayer, because you can do the right thing in the wrong way. No one is perfect, so don't be quick to judge others when you know you're guilty for your own faults. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6. As he continues his message, there is joy in the land. store the ark in the house? Would somebody tell me that? These houses weren't very big. Where do they store the ark? Did they put it in the center and eat off of it? I don't think so. What happened to it? Where was it? I'd like to know these things. Did they have small children? How did I keep them from touching the ark? I think of these things. But I do know, look at verse 11b. It says, and the Lord blessed Obed, Edom, and all his household." God begins to bless Obed-Edom with everything because the Ark of the Covenant was there. For three months, Obed-Edom must be looking around going, whoa, this is great. We're being blessed beyond belief. This is fantastic. He couldn't believe it. The same hand that punished Uzzah was blessing Obed-Edom's humbleness. The exact same hand of God. Listen to what Josephus says. Whereas before Obed-Edom was poor, then all of a sudden, in these three months, his estate increased, his wealth increased, his health increased, and his neighbors were jealous. I love that. His household were enjoying this great blessing of the ark, the presence of God. The presence of God brings us such great blessings. One commentator said this, quote, It is good living in a family that entertains the Lord. For all about it will fare the better for it, unquote. As a family, do you entertain the Lord? Do you bring the Lord into your house with your children? Do you talk about the Lord with your children? Do you pray with them before dinner time? Do you maybe pray with them at nighttime if they're young? Do you read them Bible stories? Do you teach them and admonish them in the way of the Lord? There's great blessings in that. There's great blessings in that. Train up a child the way he should go. Let's look at 12a. Now it was told King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that blessing him because of the ark of God. Yeah, I guess so. Someone came and told David, yo, David, wow, Obed-Edom is being blessed by the ark of the covenant. And this is exactly what David wanted the children of Israel to feel. 
He knew that the blessings would flow from the Ark of the Covenant. David knew the blessings there. It took David three months to act. Now the question is, did he finally spend time in the word of God to find out how the Ark should be moved? David decided, all right, I'll go and get the Ark. I'll bring it to Jerusalem. So David finally moves and goes against the ark, and he tries to do it God's way. He was going to do things the right way. He was seeking the presence of the Lord, and now going about it in the proper manner, according to God's commandments, and everything changed. Everything changed. It's amazing how many blessings will flow when we do things God's way. When we do things God's way, and I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes when God shows you a way to do it, it's against what you think you should do. It's against what you think you should do, and you go, well, I don't know if I should do that, God. God's trying to lead you. And when you do it, when you step out in faith and do that thing, great blessings flow. You've heard it said, and we've taught on this. I think Mark taught on it last week, and we've heard it taught other times before I've talked on it. When you step out of your comfort zone and go visit that poor soul in the hospital or that poor person who's sick or try to help those people, you think you're a blessing to them. 90% of the time, they're a blessing to you. They're blessing you. You go, wait a minute here. I came to bless you. And you leave going, oh, Lord, this is great. Because you're being blessed. Because you stepped out and you're doing what the Lord has asked you to do, what the Lord has called you to do. It's amazing. It's amazing. When we choose another way, possibly the way of the flesh, God has to chastise us. God does chastise those he loves. It's scriptural. Don't despise his chastening, but his chastening can really hurt. I'm sure David felt the chastening when Uzzah died. I bet he felt miserable when Uzzah died, when he came to his senses and realized he had moved the cart the wrong way. And I'm sure he felt responsible for Uzzah's death. So we come now to verses 13 and 15. And it was so when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of a trumpet. You can, always, you can also find this entire uh, sequence in First Chronicles 15. In First Chronicles 15, 1 through 16, it's the same thing, and it gives you a little bit more insight into some of the things that are happening. So this time, David goes back to the scriptures, he sees how the Lord would have him move the ark, and he starts to do these things. He had the priest bear the ark of the covenant, and when they had taken six steps, he sacrificed he wasn't taking any chances. He moved his six steps, and they sacrificed to the Lord. Moved six more steps, and he sacrificed again to the Lord. Man, I tell you, it must have been a long time getting back to Jerusalem. But he was out there. He was in a linen robe, a common garment. He took off his priestly garbs and his priestly robe. He was in a, in a, in a, in a linen robe, and he danced before the Lord. He was having a great time. He was worshiping God and dancing before the Lord. The people were praising the Lord, offering sacrifices. They were dancing before the Lord. David was in the middle of things, dancing with all his might, singing praises because the Ark of the Covenant was coming to Jerusalem. What joy. What joy they must have felt. What joy they must have felt. What a great thing. What a wonderful time. Look at 16 through 20. 
Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through the window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. So they brought the ark, brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacles that David had erected for it. Then David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he distributed all among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both women and men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone to his house. Wow. David had this great party, this great, beautiful celebration because the presence of the Lord had come back to Jerusalem. He gives out everybody a portion of meat. He gives them a portion of drink. He gives them a raisin cake. He blesses the people and sends them on their way. Everybody is excited. Everybody having a great time. Everybody is excited. The ark is back in Jerusalem. There was dancing and singing and great, great revelry. They were having such a wonderful time. The joy of the Lord was back in Jerusalem, back with the people of Israel. You know, in the olden days, we would say, David was on cloud nine. <laughs> well, I just dated myself. He came in to bless the house. He came in and he blessed the house. It was overflowing with joy. And he walks into the door. He, he, he goes up to his chambers. He's really, really excited. And he walks in and look at verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and, she, and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself in the, today in the eyes of the maids of his servants. And as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. David is having a wonderful time in the Lord. He is enjoying himself tremendously. All of Israel is happy, the joy of the Lord. David goes home. He opens up the door, and his wife, Michal, takes a bucket of ice water and goes, Those are right on him. Those are right on him. Oh, so you were dancing before the Lord. He wasn't dancing naked. He still had his ephod on. He was dancing before the Lord. How sad that David's joy and excitement and celebration ended with insensitivity and a heartless reception by his own wife. How sad it was. How many times have you experienced the presence of the Lord in your own lives? Maybe at a retreat, maybe at a conference, maybe just at a, at a time sitting before the Lord and really enjoying yourself and really excited and you're worshiping the Lord and you're having a wonderful time and then all of a sudden you meet someone and they take a bucket of ice water and throw it on you. And they douse everything that just happened. They douse everything that just happened. How many times has that happened? It happens a lot. It happens a lot. You feel exhilarated. You feel uplifted. You feel renewed. You feel great until somebody throws a bucket of ice water on you. When it happens, it's almost like you can see, you can see the smoke going, Shh. I think of the Mount of Transfiguration. I think of the Mount of Transfiguration when they're up there, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus. And he's transfigured before them. There's Jesus and Elijah and Moses, and they're up there before them. And Peter says, boy, it's good for us to be here. I guess so. 
To be in that kind of company with the Lord being glorified in their midst, I guess it was good for them to be here. Peter said, let's build some tabernacles. One for you, Jesus. One for Moses and one for Elijah. We'll just camp out here. And that's how you usually feel. That's how you usually feel when you go to a retreat and you're energized and you're refreshed and you're refilled. That's how you usually feel. You, you, you feel like you're just walking in thin air because you spent so much time with the Lord. And he's just blessed you abundantly. And they came down the mountain and they couldn't even throw out the demon that was in the kid. Because somebody threw a bucket of cold water on them. How many times when somebody stands up in church and they're worshiping the Lord, does somebody go, that's disgusting, I can't believe that. Bucket of cold water flows on them. His wife didn't appreciate David's exuberant worship. She felt it was indignified for a king of Israel to express his emotion before God. We know from Scripture that David was far from naked. He was not guilty of anything except praising the Lord. His dance was before the Lord, and the Lord knew his heart. Now, before we go any further, this is not a justification for anything going in a context of worship. This is not a justification for anything going in the time of worship. God is a God of order. But when we're worshiping the Lord and we want to raise our hands and sing out to God, that's, that's, that's good. When we kind of move to the music, it's good. That's good. We want to speak to the Lord, that's good. David's conscience was clear. He knew his dancing was not inappropriate. Because he said, it was before the Lord. It was between me and God. When someone who acts inappropriately in the setting of a context of a worship meeting can't say, it was before the Lord. Usually when that happens, the person who's doing it wants to draw attention to themselves. Did you hear what I said? Usually when that happens, somebody wants to draw attention to themselves. Look at me. Look how holy I am. No. No. There's a difference. There's a difference. God is a God of order. When they, what David did was humbling. What David did was humbling. He didn't dance to show how spiritual he was. Look at me, how spiritual I am. I'm a great spirit person. People cry out during worship and they shout and sing and holler during worship and stuff like that. And then when they get in the middle of the trouble, they fall apart. They fall completely apart. Well, where's all the hooting and hollering for worship, and all of a sudden you have a little bit of a problem, you fell completely apart. It's an act to show. I'm sorry. In verses 20 through 23, then David returned to bless his household, and Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord, over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. And I will even be more undignified than this and will humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in this honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to that day of her death. 
David recognized the pride and the arrogance of Michal. How she was accusing him. And he talked about the spiritual blindness of her father that she was holding on to because she too was spiritually blind. Saul's main goal was to gain popularity. Saul's main goal was to have the people and keep the people to himself where David lived to serve the Lord. David lived totally to serve the Lord. And he reminds Michal that the Lord chose him over her father. One commentator said this, quote, David did not need the carnal counsel of the daughter of a deposed and disgraced king, unquote. Although Michael said it was David who disgraced himself before the people, David declared that it would be her who would be disgraced because she would not conceive. And her bareness was indeed a blessing from the Lord. Why? Why was her barrenness a blessing from the Lord? Come on, scholars? Exactly. If she had a child, a man child, guess what? He would be the heir to Saul's throne. And he would be able to challenge David for the kingdom. He would be a rightful heir. Absolutely. So God knew what he was doing. God knew exactly what he was doing. He would be in line. But there was more important than that. More important apart from any dynasty. Because we're going to read when we get to chapter 7 this glorious promise that God is going to make to David. From you, the Messiah will come. From your seed, from your line, the Messiah will come. He's going to make that wonderful, glorious promise to David. God had it all planned out. God had it all planned. Let me leave you with this quote from David Guzik. Quote, Michal's barrenness was not necessarily the result of divine judgment. It may be that David never had marital relations with her again. Nevertheless, the principle stands. There is often barrenness in the life and ministry of the overcritical. Some people who are overcritical of others and others' worship sometimes find themselves in barrenness. You've got to be careful of a critical heart. You've got to be extremely careful of a critical heart. You always have to take it back to the Lord. Always have to take it back to the Lord. This was a tough time for David, a tough time for him. But he came out on top because he followed the Lord's example. He followed what the Lord wanted to do in bringing the ark back to Jerusalem. He knew God wanted the ark there. He knew God wanted the ark among the people of, of Israel. He knew that. And he failed miserably the first time. And I almost named this, if at first you don't succeed, try again. But David wasn't afraid to go back and try again. He humbled himself before the Lord. He went back and did what he needed to do. He read the word of God. He became filled with the word of God and knew exactly what he had to do and went out again and got the ark. So what I love about this is the, the Bible right here in one chapter, in 23 verses, shows a huge mistake by the king of Israel, David. Shows this enormous mistake that cost the life of a young man. But then he turns it around and shows how David, obeying the word of God, succeeds in bringing the ark exactly where God had wanted it. So what does that tell me? It tells me that we're going to fail every now and then. We're going to fail. I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. You probably know that already. But I'm not perfect. I'm going to fail you. 
It's not my want to fail you, but I will because of the flesh, the old nature that's in me. It's going to rear its ugly head every now and then. And I sometimes just drive myself crazy, but it happens. Not my want. I don't want to, but it happens. But God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when I go back to God and I confess my sin to God, he is faithful and just to forgive my sin. And he cleanses me from all unrighteousness when I go back to him and say, Lord, I've sinned. But you know what? When I do that, what does God say to me? What sin? What sin? But the sin I do, what are you talking about? Haven't Jesus Christ on the cross paid for that past, present, and future? But I still confess to him. I go back. And that's what David did. David made a serious error. But he went back to the word of God and he learned from the mistake that he made. And that's the key. We need to learn from the mistakes I've made. And I should be a very, very intelligent person because I've made so many mistakes. But we should learn from those things. And we should be able not to do them in the future as God nurtures us and teaches us and guides us and leads us by his Holy Spirit. There is joy in the Lord. There is joy in his presence. There is hope in the knowledge of him. Yeah, it's a song. It's a great song, a wonderful song. But there is joy in the Lord when we just keep ourselves in the center of his will. There is such joy and such peace and such comfort. And I urge you to do that no matter what's happening in your life. I'm not minimizing anybody's trials and tribulations because they all come upon us all. Everybody has trials and tribulations. Everybody has problems. Everybody has things that try to drag you down. But the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He will be your strength, and he wants you to be committed to him and allow him, because when we're weak, he's strong. His power is made perfect in our weakness, isn't it? And he's strong. I encourage you today that whatever you're going through, if you've made a mistake, if, you, if you've flubbed it up, if you messed up somehow, move on. Don't dwell on the mistake. David had three months that he made a mistake. He took three months, got with God, got right with God, and then he moved on and acted again. Don't let the mistake keep you from experiencing God's presence. Don't let the mistake keep you down, because that's what Satan wants. He wants to keep you under his thumb, to keep you from being a witness for Jesus Christ. We're all going to make mistakes. Nobody is above a mistake. None of us. But God is greater than any mistake you'll ever make. And he loves you with a love that you can't even fathom. We can't fathom the depth, the height, the width, the length. We can't fathom that love. One day we will. One day we will. We'll fathom it because we'll see him face to face. Oh, my gosh. So when the mistake happens, notice I didn't say if the mistake happens. When the mistake happens, confess it to the Lord and move on. Move on. Get right back with God. Get right back in that meditation time with God. And meditate on his word, meditate on his love, and allow him to restore you back into his love. Because his love hasn't left you at all. Even in the midst of that mistake you made, his love was still there. His love was right there, waiting for you. You are We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but that's all we have time for today on Assure Hope. We'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. 
There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can explore more of this series in 2 Samuel or jump to another book of the Bible. Each one gives unique insight into God's plan for you and this world you live in. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult. So we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. We're gathering in person, but we understand if you're not comfortable with that yet. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live. Just follow the link at assurehoperadio.com. We look forward to worshiping with you, either in person or virtually this weekend. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time to continue this study in the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.